Hello, my name is Philip Miriton, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution, to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. Now, each of us are raised within a sea of ideas. During our lives, we sort of float through these ideas, absorbing some of them into our system, and then questioning and ignoring others. Now, it turns out that when we're young and impressionable, we tend to absorb more of these ideas because we're just not strong enough mentally or emotionally to question these things that we get from our parents, teachers, the media, friends, culture, TV, political leaders, and on and on. Now, these ideas, they condition the way we think. They form our thoughts, and they determine who we are. They control our worldview. This is very important because if these ideas are wrong or questionable, and we absorb them anyways, then it turns out that we may be leading our lives in, the, in a less positive way than ideally possible. Now, the definition of brainwashing is a forcible indoctrination to induce someone to give up basic political, social, or religious beliefs and attitudes and to accept contrasting regimented ideas. It's also defined as persuasion by propaganda or salesmanship. So when we go through life absorbing these ideas that we have not questioned. It's sort of what I would call maybe a Chinese water torture version of brainwashing. So today we're going to do something different. The show is entitled Positive Brainwashing, and I'm fortunate to have as my guest today Michelson Williams, who's the author of a new book that takes this subject on. The, the title of the book is Trainwashing. The Secrets of Positive Brainwashing. Welcome to the show, Michelson. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to uh, be in this conversation with you right now. Okay, well, it's this is a very important topic because I think in your book, uh, Trainwashing, and we're going to define that term in a second here, you do something that is very, very important, and that is you identify a hot-button topic that's really pertinent for everybody, which is these conditioning beliefs that we're raised with. And first of all, now your book is entitled Trainwashing. Why don't you define what that term means? Because I think that's an original term. So what is trainwashing? Yes, uh, trainwashing is an, an original uh, term that I coined. Um, and in, in simple uh, terms, uh, trainwashing is just training or retraining your brain uh, using very minute baby steps um, through the conscious mind in order to program the unconscious or subconscious um, so that it, it runs on autopilot feeding you um, positive uh, information instead of the negative information that we've been fed throughout our whole entire life. So why is something like trainwashing necessary? Um, trainwashing is absolutely necessary because, in, in my opinion, because our, uh, our daily conversation with ourselves is normally um, negative. Um, we have to work very hard to be on the other end of the spectrum, and that's feeding positivity into our, 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 our everyday life because we focus on what's been trained and what's been trained in us and conditioned in us is negativity. Well, let's, let's try to get real uh, concrete here and give the listeners some examples of some negative conditioning beliefs that this practice of train washing might 
uh, address. Why don't you give us some examples of of negative conditioning beliefs? Well, the uh, the initial uh, negative beliefs and uh, uh, conditioning comes from our guardians, our, our, our parents, and uh, although um, they mean well, um, most of what they're teaching us is a regurgitation from the system that they were raised in, which means they they just perpetuate and then reinforce um, our uh, fantasy world or our, our negative brainwashing. And then uh, second, uh, one that comes to mind is uh, the action of watching television. Um, Americans spend an enormous amount of time in front of television and without even knowing it, um, this is constant bombardment and constant training um, of the unconscious mind through uh, viewing um, of, of mostly marketing in order to uh, cause a response from the viewer. And I think the problem here is that it's one thing to be influenced by Diet Pepsi over Diet Coke, but when these conditioning beliefs affect us in fundamental ways, such as thinking, for example, that all Muslims are terrorists is would be an example, or all Republicans, you know, are really the second coming of Attila the Hun, or some or or some some beliefs that that are so basic and critical to our worldview that they start affecting the people we can be. And I think that, you know, what you do is you also bring this down to the basic level of people that perhaps are not doing that success, you know, who are not that successful or who believe that they'll always be in the lower rungs of the economic ladder or something. And so, and so there is, to me, there is both sort of a human potential part of this, and there is a very practical economic aspect. Absolutely, that's the way I'm looking. At. How how did you come upon this this idea of train washing? Well, it it started um, years ago. I've been uh, um, studying psychology and working with uh, numerous people for the past. Uh, 25 years or more in fitness and um, I noticed that my clients um, you know 10-15 years ago had a difficult time controlling their positive or their attitude period toward their fitness and and, and, and their outlook uh, and their outlook um, uh, of themselves and um, and then I, uh, about 12 years ago, I started um, really researching positive thinking and self-help books. And, um, and as we all do when we discover something, we usually find a hole in, in, in what, what we're learning. And, uh, and the hole that's in self-help books is they make it seem so easy. Yes. And what I bring about with train washing is the fact that it is not easy to retrain your brain. Matter of fact, it's difficult because we have in our, 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 our circuitry, we're, we're hardwired to, to fail almost. Um, and, and then we, when we have this conversation with ourselves, we're not training ourselves for success. We're training ourselves to be um, the status quo to be, you know, a, a, another uh, worker bee or, or something like that. We're not, we're not actually training ourselves in understanding that we can rise above uh, what we consider normal in, in our life because our normal is basically fantasy. What do you mean by that? Well, what do you mean? Else. What do you mean that our normal is is tip, is typically or really fantasy? What do you mean by that? Everything that we think in our normal everyday life comes from something else. Uh, it comes from our training. It comes from someone else's vision or view of 
what a productive member of society should look like. So when people ask me that question, I always tell them, um, first, before I answer, tell me or give me an original thought. Take two minutes, take five minutes, and just tell me something original. And I haven't yet had anyone <laughs> tell me anything original. <laughs> That's interesting. So, so in other words, what are, is what you're saying that uh, the people you work with, which would be maybe uh, a a uh, a slice of the American public, is adopting the ideas of other people as their own and not questioning them? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. And this. It's basically, it's a, you know, my test group. Um, what, what really threw me off is, <clears throat> is these people weren't, uh, you know, garbage collectors and uh, cashiers at, at Walmart or, uh, or, or anything like that. In, in their positions and in their jobs, they were um, uh, psychologists, uh, vice presidents, of, of different companies and I would have certain conversations with them and at some point uh, and I think you mentioned it earlier critical thinking shut off yeah. and when when I noticed that I understood that um, people were losing the ability no matter uh, where they were in their life or what they owned they still were losing touch or had almost completely lost the ability to use critical thinking. Yeah, you know, I started off the show by by talking about the sea of ideas. I think if I had to do it again, I'd probably call it the river of ideas because it really is more of a flow. It really is an inertia I think we find ourselves in. And I go back to this to this idea that we all have to believe in something. And in many instances, what we believe in is the default belief. The default belief being that A, uh, whatever uh, our teachers told us is right, whatever our parents told us is right, whatever the TV commentator tells us is right, whatever the Pope says, uh, you know, or pick your religious leader. Right, must be, must be, and so we spend our time on the surface. You know, there's so many, there's so many similarities here with some of the great principles of all time. If you if you were going to list some of the, you know, the top ten greatest sort of moral sayings, one of them I think would be Socrates, which is the unexamined life is not worth living. And that is so similar to what you're saying, I think, but you're framing it sort of in a modern culture way. So I, th I think this, I think this is uh, really, really good stuff. Now, what about this big glass door that you're talking about? Your your book mentions a big glass door, the five senses and the sixth sense. Why don't you tell the listeners what what this big glass door is and how that might help to shed light on on train washing. The big glass door is uh, basically, and, and, and with train washing, what I did was I, I, I took a little bit of uh, how the law of attraction works, which, and, and then I, I mixed that with critical thinking. And the big glass door is basically our ability to attract things into our life through our subconscious. Um, so this big glass door, or the glass door, is the ability to have uh, things in our life that we necessarily can't see, um, things that when we were children, our parents tried to, um, or, or, or definitely, uh, squashed and, 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 and told us not to talk about, not to think about, imaginary friends, uh, imaginary toys. Um, you know, when, when a baby wants a bottle, it comes. And that's attraction. And it doesn't happen necessarily because 
the baby's always crying or something, you know. Um, it happens because the baby is is unconsciously wanting, and then mother responds, and it's a conversation without, you know, words being uh, moved around, you know, uh, verbally. And this is this big glass door is is our ability to imagine and then make it make it so or make it come into our, our, our life, and it's cut off. It's closed down. We are, we, when we tell, uh, you know, when we were small and we told our parents that we saw little people or we saw uh, something under our bed or all that stuff was, you know, immediately uh, <laughs> pushed out of, of, of the minds of little children. And it was because, it's because other things are being put in, in, in its place, um, uh, you know, Santa Claus coming down the chimney, you know, critical thinking. We, we used it then. We knew that the fat man couldn't fit down our chimney, but we were told this by people we love, so we try to believe it. But you ask any five-year-old if it makes sense, and they're going to question it. It's just that adults um, push their trained beliefs on this type of situation, and then it closes that big glass door. It closes that imagination. I, I see. This is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking with Michelson Williams, the author of the new book, Trainwashing, The Secrets of Positive Brainwashing. And we're learning a little bit now about the sixth sense. And you just mentioned that the big glass door is sort of a, maybe it's a window to a, a sense or a power we have, maybe the power of attraction or imagination that is beyond the five normal senses. Is that what is that what we're referring to here? That is correct. It okay. is our key to the universe. I see. Um, it, it, it is our, our expansion, our open mind. Um, when we when we seek and uh, when we seek truth and, and things like that, it's it's the the expansion of mind, the big glass doors opening up again, and once it starts, it can't it cannot be reversed. So it, it, it's closed because we're you know when we're small children, we we do what we think uh, the adult or guardian tells us is right, and they could be as lost as we are, but we believe them because they tell us we're older, they're older, and uh, and things like that. I can't I can't emphasize how how important what you're saying is and I'm because I think you put your finger on something that I, I want to emphasize here and that is this this goes to the core of really open-mindedness imagination vision dreams because if you if you're raised thinking that you can't come up with your own ideas or you can't be imaginary you can't be creative and and I used to call it like having a check in your brain, some kind of uh, doubting voice saying, "Oh, yes. you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't." I mean, that's the way I envisioned it when I was when I was breaking through that uh, back back in my in my college years. I remember this very very precisely. And each of us, I really think, has to break that down if we're going to live our own lives. I think that's what this comes down to. If you want to live somebody else's life or or like somebody else wants you to live your life, then don't bother with any of this. Right? I mean, right, that, right. That, that's my feeling about it. I mean, you don't have to do any of this, but if you want to live your own life, fulfill your own dreams, then this is this is a this is like a yoga practice here. You gotta go through this this first step here. Now that's the way I'm looking at it, uh, Michael Sin, because I think that this this is really this is really front and center. I mean, we're we're sort of being calm here, but this is so critical to improving our our uh, our lives and fulfilling our potential. Because you could talk, as you mentioned earlier, we could talk all we want about positive thinking, read all the books and everything, uh, and chant whatever hymns, lessons directions but unless you break through this this barrier we're not going to get anywhere now right. now what what is 
different. I mean, you you touched upon it, but but again, what are some practical steps on for somebody that wants to train themselves to undo this brainwashing? Before we even get into the practical application okay. of brainwashing, that's fine. Um, the, the the scary thing that that you brought up is, uh, or, or, or or triggered a, a thought with me is, imagine not knowing that you are negatively brainwashed. Right. So, you're you're in the system, and you believe that your life is yours, and you believe that everything you do when you wake up in the morning, where you work. What, what, what you drive, the things you own in your house that you don't need, um, you believe that you're making those decisions. So you look at a book like Trainwashing, The Secrets of Positive Brainwashing, and you just gloss over. Right. Because it's meaningless to you because you have everything under control. And that's the, uh, that's the difficult um thing that I think about is how do I reach people when they could be extremely lost and and and, and there's no trigger points that tell them that there's something wrong. There's something wrong in their life and therefore they have to seek just a little bit of expansion. And that I'll lead into what people can do. One is start off very small because, you know, we're, because of the programming, the negative programming, we're built to work in short cycles. So, you know, we're focused on email and then the television's playing in the background. So we turn and we face the television and we, we watch the television for, for 20 minutes and then we go back and we do email. So really, we focused on nothing in those in that time span because something pulled us away, and this happens constantly. Right. And um, so we have to kind of back up. We have to reverse engineer our daily thoughts in order to find the little windows of opportunity that told, excuse me, that told us that we must seek something more than what we have. And then just like the brain, the negative brainwashing that we, um, that we have gone through for our entire life, the reverse process has to be extremely slow and has to be constant. It can't be, I'm gung-ho, you know, like a fad diet or something like that. Right. I'm gung-ho, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, by Thursday, uh, I don't really want to do this, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, you know, I, I also don't want to, th- I don't think it's that difficult either. I mean, I agree with you that, you know, anytime someone like the two of us are, are sitting here talking about sort of unearthing deep, deeply held beliefs, it's like, oh boy, how are you going to do that? But, but then you sort of think, well, how did you get them in the first place? In the first place, I mean, we, we talked about, I, I think that the role of absorbing ideas when we're young, you know, kids are impressionable. And, and there's studies on this, and, you know, you you've probably have researched it, but it's pretty obvious that kids are, are more easily uh, malleable, gullible than adults. I mean, there's something in your book called Maturity of Mind, which we could we which we could talk about, but but we get these ideas when we're young and we ingrain them. But then you know we all go through periods where we question what our parents tell us right. or our teachers or something. And one thing I would say is is read some good books that do question these ideas and then compare one against the other. I mean we we tend to in many instances we tend to only read things that sort of reaffirm our existing beliefs. So, for Absolutely. example, if you're a Christian, you'll read about um, Christianity, and a Muslim, read about Muslim. Well, read about some other religions. 
Read right. read about if you're a Darwinian, well, pick up a book by Michael Behe. Pick up a book on intelligent design. It's not that crazy, but at least at least make up your mind about it instead of just, you know, taking it taking it on faith, taking what people tell you on faith. So I really think and this frankly is what I, I think education is supposed to do. I think education is supposed to open our minds to new ideas, expose us to the history of these thoughts so that we could sort of come up with some 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 of our own conclusions, but that's not that's not the way it works a lot. Now now you say something that I again that I think is very original in in your book. You talk about the importance of pushing out ideas that you have. And why don't you talk a little bit about what you mean there? You talk about if you have an idea, tell people about it. Why don't you why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you have in mind? Well, when 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 you have this, when you're going to expansion of mind, and you are educating yourself and, and, and filling the void, you, you know, we're all in this together. So there's a collective, in, in, in my opinion, there's a collective mind. So if you push the ideas that you have outward, speak to someone, uh, you know, focus on it, think about it constantly, um, after you've researched and used critical thinking, broaden yourself by you know, talking to someone who has no clue um, what you would, what you're talking about. And in, in that uh, conversation, you become even more expanded because your more questions will come in and that, that allows for, um, you know, time and space to use, you know, to do more research and, and, and fill those those empty uh, empty spaces. Um, I often ask people, what do they think happened? Do, do, do you become broad and expanded first, and then you seek the books, or, or the books come into your life to fill the space, or do you read the book, and from that reading you become expanded? And I always, I always get about fifty-fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, I happen to think that the sea of ideas or the river of ideas is a good metaphor for this, because if you if you don't talk about, publicize, promote your ideas, and I don't mean anything fancy. I mean talk to some friends about it. <laughs> Pick right. up the phone and or and you know talk to a college roommate or something about your ideas. Then it never gets voiced and it never gets out into the sea. It never gets publicized. It never gets distributed. And you know we are and this is one of the one of the uh, issues that I have with our modern culture and one of the reasons I do this show is because we. We don't have a lot of forms to bring out these sort of out-of-the-box ideas. You know, the common media treatment of ideas like we're talking about would be a little bit more structured and formulaic. And right. we need to go beyond that and sort of probe probe some of these outer spaces. It, it, it reminds me of of Niels Bohr comment, uh, something like, uh, you know, Niels Bohr, who won the Nobel Prize in physics relating to the quantum theory in right. the late, in the 1920s, he said, he said something to a friend about rejecting the, his friend's idea. He said something like, well, your idea is crazy, but it's not crazy enough to be true. And, and what he meant was that in order to really change uh, our ideas change the world, you sort of have to get a little crazy. You have to go out of the box, and crazy being here being in quotations because we are trained to think that if we go outside the box, we're crazy. <laughs> and so so it's all it's all related. Uh, this is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking 
with Michelson Williams, the author of this new book on positive brainwashing. And we're trying to unlearn some of these old beliefs we've we've had that may not be right, and we're trying to find ways to unlearn them. Now, I'm not sure whether whether we touched upon the sixth sense here. You mentioned the five senses and the sixth sense in your book. What is the sixth sense? Again, the uh, the sixth sense is that uh, that big glass door. I okay. mean, we have our normal senses that um, that we are all familiar with. We have sight, we have touch, we have smell, we have hearing. Um, how many is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess it's now. I, I, I think I covered the, the five senses. And those we, re, we rely on um, very faithfully. But they're not always accurate if they're being bombarded with false information. So the sixth sense is the out of the out of the box, and it's the one we use the least now, and that's intuition. Um, uh, the, the, the thing that tells you not to step out into the street, and you don't know why, but you pull your foot back onto the curb, and a car speeds by, and if you had gone on and, and continued without that sixth sense, then you would have gotten hit by the car. We can't explain why it happens. We just know it happens. We feel it. Um, the, the, um, the, the small voice in our head tells us something's wrong. And that's what we have to pay attention to more and, and, and take the, uh, the other five senses and put them just slightly behind that. And that has to be trained in. It has to be, uh, you know, through meditation and, and, and things like that. Um, you have to recognize that that's a part of you. That sixth sense is a part of you. And if you can, if you can clean the glass door, that, at that point you can open it. And I say clean it because uh, through our lives, it's constantly being uh, grunged up and, and dirty, dirtied and smudged by not only other people, but we do it ourselves because we're trained to do it. Yeah, that's uh, good. And there's, it's very similar. It's very similar to the notion that we should try to uh, re-instill the child's mind or the beginner's mind, the pure mind like from, from Zen Buddhism. And there's so many good things that occur once you open your mind. And, I, and creativity goes hand in hand with it. Absolutely. And, and that, this, is, this is the beauty of it. And so those who are wondering, well, why should I bother doing this? Well, not only do I, th do I think, and I hope Michelson agrees with me, that, that you are... Your attitude's better, but it makes you more creative and 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 more energetic about accepting new experiences, new ideas. Now, now you mentioned this collective mindset. What do you mean by collective mindset? The uh, the collective is the complete uh, mindset of everyone around us. So you can feel, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever had, had this happen to you, but, you know, have you ever walked past someone in, in the street and you got uh, an odd feeling from them? Um, probably all, the, probably all the time. <laughs> probably all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I walk by a lot of people. I walk, I, I walk. I walk from the train. I mean, when I when I walk from the train to work, there's a lot of people. Yeah, there's. It happens a lot. So okay, go ahead. So so exactly. So when you when you're doing that, your energy, your energy is touching those other people, and their energy is touching yours. And 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 even though you're focused on something else, 
some energies come through, um, you know, more intense than, than others. And that's because we're all a part of a collective. And if the collective is manipulated, a, an, a, an, a negative attitude can come over the entire collective mindset and pull everyone down at once. For instance, everyone's focused on Syria right now and going, you know, being in another war and, and things like that. Right. And, and I had a uh, psychologist friend of mine uh, send me an email and, and, and she asked me, is, is there something wrong today? Um, you know, I saw four accidents. I saw, you know, everybody that I talked to was arguing and, and, and things like that. And this was actually Friday, the 13th, you know? Hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, I just, you know, recognize that that's the, the collective mindset being pulled into a negative direction. I mean, if you watch news, we're constantly bombarded. I, I don't watch TV anymore. Um, because it's a constant bombardment to the collective, to the entire mindset. Everyone who's sitting down and, and watching television, they're all focused on the exact same thing. And they're being controlled. And that control uh, mechanism is negative. That means when you're driving down the road, the, the guy next to you who saw the same news broadcast, uh, he gets road rage because of something he doesn't even understand, but it was a bunch of negativity that he absorbed when he was watching television because there was nothing positive on there. Yeah, but let me let me stop you there because I, I think that there is a passive and active part to this. What you're talking about right now could also be said about the karmic field, karma. It's very, very similar. Whereas there's this field and it's a minefield and it's karma and everyone sort of all the lessons and all the moral actions and thoughts sort of get put into this field or the sea and it's combined and it affects humankind. I mean there's all there's all sorts of ways to look at this, but I really think Michaelson that it's it's our responsibility to take this a step further. Not only do I think that we need to control our own lives and to be more positive and, and to fulfill our own potentials. But I think it's our responsibility to give a boost to the collective mindset, to put the collective mindset on a better trajectory. And, and so, so that's where, I mean, we can't just sit back. And frankly, that's, I don't think salvation or whatever word you want to call it, nirvana, enlightenment is a solo activity maybe in the beginning it is but it really to be to be completely fulfilled i think you've got to change the trajectory of the collective mindset so maybe we need more positive tv shows for example is where i'm going for this that people would actually watch them but i do think that th that has to be the ultimate goal if we, if this all makes any sense Absolutely. I mean, maybe we should, maybe we should, uh, you know, uh, turn the television off um, like we used to uh, when I was younger, and 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 sit around and have a family meal, or um, turn the cell phones off and uh, and stop texting and actually sit down and and play Monopoly together. Are you, or, are you or trying to? Are you trying like to say? Are you trying to say that people should actually talk to each other and, and not and not text? This is a radical statement here, right here. I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you've gone this far that we should actually communicate with with each other. Wow. An, exactly. I feel like I feel like it's a science fiction. You know, we're 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 nearing a science fiction world where people don't talk to each other. It's it's all through electronic communications. And we're and it, anyways, we can go on and on with that. But but and I'm being well, I'm being a little bit facetious. But the point is, is that uh, there's things we can do to improve the collective mindset. Now, 
another thing that you you mentioned that I thought was interesting is is this this vision boarding and other folks have talked about it but I think you put a nice nice clear spin on it what is vision boarding and what what if anything does that have to do with positive brainwashing uh, vision boarding is awesome <laughs> I like it. And, Go ahead. And everyone should should do it. They should um, they should take things, pictures of stuff that they love, places that they would want to go, things that they would want to own. Um, um, you know, whether it be a, a new car or, or a diamond ring or something special, and and and. and basically make a collage of, of, of the things that you would love to have. And, um, and of course, vision boarding isn't, isn't new. I just right. decided to make it bigger and, and, and put it on, uh, on a entire wall and put it in a place where um, you cannot ignore it. And when you do ignore it, because we get used to our environment, your peripheral vision, which is even more important. See, this is, this is that transition from the conscious mind to the subconscious. You, you put that vision board in a place where you have to walk by it. I talk about this in the book. Where you have to walk by it every day. And when you start to ignore it, your peripheral vision still picks it up. And it's programming, and it's positive programming because no one's going to put, well, I guess there may be some people who would put something negative on, but every picture <laughs> that you put on the vision board should be a, a, a positive representation of something that you would love to possess, you know, um, or, or a, a, a place that you would love to vacation. And constantly, basically, you're, you're taking you're counteracting the negativity that you would get from watching television and you're pushing only positive things um, in, in, into your uh, in, into your view or vision and I think the jury yeah I think the jury I think the jury is out on the whole the whole thing about vision boarding or or envisioning your goals and by that I mean I'm not sure whether anybody knows why it works or whether it always works but in preparing for the show I came across a quote by Bruce Lee who you probably heard of from based upon your background uh, <laughs> who who said something like uh, the only the only difference would be you know a, a martial arts expert is really an average person with laser-like focus something like that and right. the, putting a a vision board I think it's it's helpful because it's sort of like a vision a visible to-do list where you put a picture of something that you want to do maybe go to a cruise in Mexico or something right. and it keeps you focused on your goals I think the problem is that some people have, and maybe you could address this, is you can't just expect a miracle to happen. You can't put the picture of a Mercedes up in your wall and expect the next day someone is going to drive a Mercedes up to your driveway. Right. There, there is, there's, it's not that simple. What, what do you, what do you say to people who? Who come back to say, uh, Michael said, I, you know, I, I put up this this picture of a, a Mercedes, and I haven't got one yet. Well, there's a couple of things that happens when you start vision boarding, and the the one thing is, is you start talking, so your self speak is positive for a short time, because if you put a date on when you want to do these things and or, or possess something, and that date goes by, you will go from positive speak to negative speak. Okay? So, um, what I suggest in, in, in my book is go ahead on and do the vision boarding, and then 
start working. If you're doing the same thing that you did yesterday, today, and you're planning on doing it tomorrow, guess what? The Mercedes isn't going to ever be in, 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 in the parking lot. But right. if you, um, I, I talk about making deals, putting deals together, small deals, you know, to, to train you to, um, again, start working in a positive manner. If you put together a few small deals that are win-win throughout the year, you're laying down foundation for um, the opportunities, the money, the feelings, uh, the mindset of having that, um, uh, that Mercedes. You're preparing in every way, shape, and form, or shape, shape or form. It's like exercising. If you're, you know, if you're squatting and doing push-ups, then you're preparing for an exercise or an event that you may not, you may have never done before. But your body's prepared because you laid down a foundation. And you have to do that same thing when you're doing the vision board. Don't just put up a picture of something and say, okay, um, you know, do the genie blink and tomorrow right. it's going to be right. in the driveway. Um, because when it's not in the driveway, you're going to start having a negative conversation with yourself and that's going to perpetuate uh, the negative negativity throughout the day. Yeah, I think vision I think vision boarding is a great idea. This is Philip Miriton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Michelson Williams, the author of the new book, Trainwashing, The Secrets of Positive Brainwashing. And we're talking about how to rid ourselves of some of these inherited conditioning beliefs that limit what we are and what we can be. Now, in the vision boarding realm, which I think of and of, it in and of itself is a great topic. But the other thing good about vision boards that you touched upon is instead of having this chaos, this undefined uh, vision that most of us, that a lot of people have, most of us may have, where all we're doing through life is watching TV, putting food on the family, I mean, I'm sorry, putting food on the table, making a living, all these important things. We're living our lives, but with no direction. It, at least the at least the vision boarding, and and it doesn't have to be a picture of a vacation. It could be a picture of success, or it could be a right. picture of tranquility, or anything. It it gives you focus, and we we know that these these things outside of us influence us. And so, why not make them positive influences? It seems like that's what that's what you're saying. Absolutely. Right. Uh, absolutely. Right. I think that's. I think that's great. Now, is that related to something you that you call mind management or time management? Now, mind management's another interesting concept. I've never seen someone put together mind management and time management. What is that? <laughs> we spend so much time uh, doing things that are just frivolous. That right. they do not help us at all um and it's wasted it's wasted time and if, if you're if you're wasting time then you're wasting mind so we have to manage our our time and our mind together so that we can be more focused and if if we're more focused um then we can we can lay down the path that will get us through the journey to whatever spot that we wish to be, we can do that much faster if we're managing our mind and our time together. Now, before I, um, um, uh, after I, I wrote this book, I read uh, Ken Ferris, the, uh, the four-hour work week, which is brilliant. <laughs> the one, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what was the title of that book? It was Tim Ferriss, The oh. Four-Hour Workweek. Okay. It's a, it's a great book. Um, and uh, and, and I, I had written my book before I read that book, but that book 
just helped to open my eyes. Again, I was expanded, and that book came <laughs> to, my, to my life. And, and Tim Ferriss talks about um, working just four hours um, a, a week and creating success through this four hours a week. And it's through mind and time management. And, um, and, and, and I didn't, you know, of course I, you know, um, I had read his book much later, but it was, it was incredible that, you know, it, it kind of solidified what I was talking about in, in, in my book, you know. Well, because if we somebody, spend, right, if, uh, sorry? if yeah. somebody, if somebody comes to you tomorrow and says, uh, Michelson, I, I like to learn how to train myself to unlearn some of my conditioning beliefs. What's what is the first thing that you typically tell somebody like that? The first thing that I tell people who uh, who ask uh, questions like that is um, to take an assessment of who you are or who you think you are, um, and then we start working on. finding out what the negative uh, elements are in, in, in someone's space and pushing one small thing out and then replacing it with something positive. You know, we don't go on a diet um, because, you know, we would quit. Right. So we just, we, we do it in a very small, minute way so that it doesn't affect um that um, uh, that that risk that negative response that comes after we say we're going to make change. So we don't even talk about making change. We just do something small. Uh, stop watching television for twenty minutes a day. In that twenty minutes, fill it with something positive. If it's working out, because you can't work out and be physically fit and have a bad attitude. <laughs> right. right. Um, because you're changing your energy, you know. Um, and, and, and you work like that, and you just continue to do uh, just that. 20 minutes becomes uh, 30 minutes or an hour where you're taking something that you understand, so you've understood that you're negatively brainwashed, you've assessed the situation and you eliminate one item and in that space you put in something positive and you keep doing that until you are changed well beyond just not watching television what are some other things someone could do um well there's it, it all depends because we're at different levels of our, our, our brainwashing right uh, of our negative brainwashing Almost each individual is different, um, but if you're not focused on, uh, you know, if you're focused on some someone else, like in, in 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 the back of my book, I talk about things that you can do daily. So if you're focused on helping someone else, truly helping them, feeling it, uh, being emotionally involved, then your appreciation for yourself will come out of that and that's completely positive so that starts changing the mindset as well so I tell people to make sure that you help someone else um, try to do it once a day and then feel good about it yes yes I think in your your book uh, does have at the end it has has 20 has 20 or so tips on how to take the practical steps to train wash yourself and I do think that there's a lot of valuable lessons in there now from your own experience what have you found to be the most effective part of your of your teaching with 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 the folks that you've helped what kind of examples can you give us about the positive influence that train washing has had on people? Um, I get um, 
one is uh, just reading the reviews um, on on train washing and, and how it's affected um, different people um, is just amazing. Um, and then I get emails from uh, I, I do a little bit of mentoring uh, mentoring um, at no cost to uh, a couple of companies and. And uh, the feedback that I get um, once they realize that the book isn't just another self-help book right. is incredible. I mean, I get emails constantly um, saying thank you, and, and you know, uh, we're, we're taking this, and, and every new hire has to. Uh, it, it's a part of their training and things like that. Uh, that that's um, that, that's amazing. You know, to to have happen, and uh, and I'm 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 just you know working and pushing to try to uh, in, increase the numbers of people who are reading and uh, reading train washing and applying the principles to uh, to their life. I think that what you what you've done is is really good because you've put a a creative gloss on this concept of conditioning beliefs you know the idea of train washing you know training yourself to unlearn the brainwashing of the past is really important I think because we don't realize it we don't realize that many of the ideas thoughts we have we we've never questioned them and and this goes again not only to whether you should be drinking Diet Pepsi instead of Diet Coke or driving a Chevy instead of a Ford. But it goes to our fundamental beliefs, the ones that really affect us. It goes to the division between science and spirituality. It goes to the division between religions. I mean, we don't have to to really get into it, but it's it's really an amazing thing where you have the the three uh, great... Um, Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam being at each other's throats at various times through history, but they all pray to the same God. It, it, really, is, it really is amazing the, the depth of influence these ideas have had, and I think that following some of your tips and reading your very, very easy to read and practical book, Trainwashing, is is a really good thing to do now now michaelson before we close why don't you tell folks how they could find out more about what you're doing um well if they um want to grab the book they can get it uh, almost anywhere um, most people shop online so uh books are easily to uh to get at amazon so um if uh if anyone wants to read the book, which I hope everyone does, just go to Amazon.com, type in Michelson Williams, and uh, Train Washing will come up along with uh, a few um, of my other books. Um, also, uh, there are many more training concepts and, and uh, things like that on my website at MichelsonWilliams.com. Well, that's great. And once again, thank you very much uh, for your time. I There was a quote in your book that I, I want to connect to an older version of the same, of the same thought. It, the, the quote is, it is your sustained thoughts that will make the biggest difference. And that, I think, is extremely important. It's the sustained thoughts that really determine who we are. And just to show you that these are not necessarily original ideas or lightly taken in the Upanishads the ancient uh, Hindu text that is one of the foundational books of Indian philosophy there's this quote it is you are what your deep driving desire is as your desire is so is your will as your will is so is your deed as your deed is so is your destiny so when we set our minds on something, when we desire something, when we set our whole being in that direction, we're more likely to obtain it. And the first step to getting there, I think, is to decondition ourselves, to train ourselves 
to think for ourselves and unlearn some of the brainwashing ideas that we have acquired through the years. I'd like to tell tell listeners that next next week we have best-selling author Larry Dosey, the author of the new book One Mind. He's also the author of a bunch of other books, including um, Healing Prayers and Space, Time, and Medicine. And we'll be having, I hope, a a, uh, very intriguing discussion with Larry next week. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Meriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com. 